With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show that looks to put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin. You know, as, as the Steelers build this roster in 2021, you know, the, the really is the goal is a seventh Lombardi trophy. You know, can Big Ben get his third? Can the team, you know, break the drought? You know, it's it's getting up on over a decade now since we last won a Super Bowl. But look, last week I sort of started with, uh, you know, a bit of a rant about what we were going to offer you as part of, you know, behind the steel curtain. This week we're going to jump into a little bit of what we covered last week with some of the July uh, birthdays in terms of players and this Pittsburgh Steelers roster. And I think for those that, you know, were able to catch last week's, and if you weren't able to catch last week's room, I invite you to go back and listen to the latter part of that that show or at least, you know, um, even, even a bit of part one there. But we talked a lot about the players, you know, that are born in July, they're going to do really well. And guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and even Mason Rudolph and, you know, Trey Turner, who was born in June, actually. But just a couple of a couple of players there. This week, we're going to cover the four or so guys that are also born in July that, are probably more fringe players. A couple of guys might not even make the roster. Whether you even want a couple of guys to make the roster that do is, you know, up to each and every one of you. But, you know, we're going to have a look at those players today. And then I'm also going to have a little, really way too early look at a couple of potential Steelers uh, draft prospects for 2022. But look, let's, let's get it underway. So, Let's look at the four players that I mentioned there. We're going to cover now in part one that, that are born in July, uh, that, are, that have joined the Pittsburgh Steelers, a couple of t- two of these guys, um, you know, in this offseason and two of the guys, you know, in the last couple of years. So the first player I wanted to cover off, and for those of you that also uh, regular listeners to Steelers, touchdown with myself and Mark Davison. You know, you, you know, we covered him in recent weeks, but the first play is the first play is Jalen Samuels. Uh, look, Jalen Samuels is you know a, a player that the Steelers drafted that I just don't think has ever quite lived up to where anyone sort of you know thought his play would be. You know, at the same time, he was a fifth round draft pick, picked 165th overall in the 2018 draft. So really, you know, whether we expect that much out of him, you know, in terms of a career and his contribution is, you know, is pretty debatable, you know, but I still think Steelers fans probably thought he contributed a bit more than he has. You know, he's a six foot, sort of 220, 25, 230 pound uh, running back that, you know, actually came out of, out of college in that H back role. Look, he's played 42 games to date. He's started eight of those. He's rushed for only 100 and um, 
you know, he's had 131 rushing yard attempts for 459 yards. He's had one touchdown. You know, we know that he had that massive career game of 140-something yards against the Patriots, and that's about it. His longest rush is 25 yards. His yard career yards per attempt across the last three seasons is three and a half. Average yards per game when he's playing of 10.9 yards. You know, he's had 100 targets for 82 receptions. So his catch rate's, you know, not too bad there across his career. But for 550 yards, he's, you know, his average yards per reception is 6.7. He scored four receiving touchdowns, along of which was 27 yards, you know, in terms of his receiving. Receptions per game, he averages two. Yards per game, he averages 13.1. Instead, he's got that catch rate of 80%, which isn't bad. The thing is, though, like we're talking about a player that's got only just broken, you know, a thousand yards in terms of, you know, yards from scrimmage. He's fumbled the ball a couple of times. You know, you'd probably expect that with that many number of yards at this point in time from a player, you know, of his draft ilk. He's a guy that's probably, you know, on this for the fringe of the Steelers roster now. He's a, he's a player that's easily going to be cuttable when you look at Najee Harris, Benny Snell Jr., uh, you know, Anthony McFarlane Jr., sorry, not Benny Snell Jr., but Anthony McFarlane Jr., Benny Snell, and, you know, maybe Kalen Ballage makes instead of Jalen Samuels. Maybe there's another player that gets cut from a different roster. I am I have sort of set on Steelers touch on under, and I'm a man on my word that I do feel that, that that fourth or the third running back isn't even on the Steelers roster right now, given the cuts that are going to have to happen across the league. Uh, so that's going to be the interesting piece there. But, you know, that's Jalen Samuels for you. But he's a player born in July. His birthday's coming up. Uh, in about a week's time on July 20th. And he's the first of our four players born in July that I wanted to cover off this week. The next player is Cassius Marsh, six foot four, 250 odd pounds coming out of, uh, you know, out of Oaks Christian High School. And, you know, he was drafted uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, he went to UCLA. He's, you know, his birthday was about a week ago, but so was Chase Claypool's. And so I preferred to go with Chase Claypool for, um, you know, that July 7th day. You know, he's 29. He's played, you know, 92 games in his career. He's started nine of those. So he started 10% of the games that he's played in, you know, in his career to date. He's forced five fumbles, 14 sacks. Uh, he's had 29 quarterback hits, a career approximate valuation of 12 to date. 25 tackles for a loss, 175 tackles overall. You know, he's, as I say, he's a fringe player. You know, some people are a fan of him. Some people are not. I mean, you you got to remember he's played for Seattle. You know, he's played for New England. He's played for, you know, San Francisco 49ers. He's played for Arizona. He's played for Indiana. He's played for Jacksonville. And now he's at Pittsburgh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So when it comes to the Pokemon King, as Jeff likes to call him, and some so do some others. You get some people are going to be a fan, some are not. I personally think this is a quiet guy that's potentially holding up, you know, a Steelers developmental spot. But at the same time, and whilst he's just as a defensive end, he plays, he's, you know, he's kind of that outside linebacker more in our scheme. You know, we've got Quincy Roche. I think we need someone that's more proven at the spot. It's not that he's the worst player in the world. I just think that when we're looking at a team that needs to be building toward a seventh Lombardi trophy. 
if you've got a second-year player like Alex Highsmith there, you've got a rookie like Quincy Roche being the next best backup. And, you know, I would put him ahead of Marsh at this stage, even if even the Steelers don't for the first two games, just with the way that they work with rookies. This isn't That's not the sort of depth you need at the outside linebacker position for a team like the Steelers, the way we're set up as a defense, for you to win that, win that seventh Lombardi. So this is a big question mark that I think really hangs over the Steelers' defense for what the for otherwise what is a really strong defense uh, and what is a really productive defense. But if we're going to get up toward that fifty sack level, when you've got a second year player like Alex Highsmith and you, the only backup depth you've got is Quincy Roche outside of Cassius Marsh, and I'm just not confident in Cassius Marsh doing the job. And I think that's where when they've talked about, you know, potentially looking at the outside linebacker position coming out of, you know, uh, OTAs and, and mini camps. I think this is, this is one of the things you got to think about is the current player that got on the roster and that depth um, that exists there. The third player I wanted to look at was Jarvis Miller. Now Jarvis Miller is a really interesting one from the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of the fact that he is a player that's one of, he's one of these guys that came out in 2020, the lack of preseason, uh, he didn't go to the combine, really made it a situation where he wasn't drafted uh, and he found it hard to get on the roster. And there's many of these players. We know the Steelers signed uh, wide receiver Matthew Sexton in the same sort of group from Eastern Michigan. Jarvis Miller is a guy, you know, that's come out of Penn State and Massachusetts. He play, So he played for college 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. So the first four of those were at Penn State in the Big Ten um, before he went into the independent conference there with Massachusetts as a senior. You know, when you talk about the games, he didn't play, you know, he's a redshirt freshman there. You know, then he played four games as a freshman, uh, four games as a sophomore, um, junior in his junior year, he played seven games, and then for Massachusetts, he played twelve in twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, he's really when you look at his sort of career to date tackles, you know, he sort of comes out here with you know forty six, uh, sorry eighty two. He's got six and a half of those are for a loss, two sacks, one pass defense, one fumble recovery in his college career. You know, he's yet to really do anything in the NFL. He's a six foot two, 225 line, 225 pound linebacker. Uh, again, he's one of these guys that's going to be in the mix, you know, against uh, Marcus Allen uh, sort of type. And I think there's a few players starting to appear on the Steelers roster in this, in this sort of, that are competing for this role. Look, Jarvis Miller is taking up a roster spot at the moment. I think it's quite doubtful for him to make the 53, potentially even the practice squad. But, hey, at least the Steelers are giving a guy a chance that, you know, COVID's probably really wrecked that start to. And who knows what he can produce there. Uh, you know, the Steelers have obviously seen something in him to be able to bring him in. Uh, they haven't brought back guys like a Jamron Elliott or, you know, a few of the other players they were looking at there. You know, they've technically got cap room. Technically, Avery Williamson's still out there. I said, Mark and I were talking about my, my co-host for Steelers Touching Under, for those that, you know, you haven't listened to that show before. He and I were talking after the show last week and sort of he, he was asking me questions around, you know, people like Avery Williamson, guys that Steelers have on the roster that are yet to be, um, you know, picked up, guys like Jordan Dangerfield as well. And one of the things I said to him was, well, look, the Steelers are probably allowing those guys 
um, more in Avery Williams' case than Dangerfield's, but allowing those guys to try and get a decent contract with another team uh, before they come in. So uh, I said to him, you know, don't be surprised to still see an Avery Williams come in. If that's the case, though, guys like Jarvis Miller are really going to struggle to uh, to make this roster, uh, you know, with, with that sort of situation. So look, we're talking about a guy that wasn't hugely productive in college, even for a top program like Penn State, you know, in terms of that consideration. And really good on him if he can sort of crack this squad. I look forward to seeing what he can do uh, in the Hall of Fame game and through some preseason. It'll be interesting to see what he does there. But hey, if, if he's just a matter of making sure that I know some of our top, you know, linebackers don't necessarily have to play uh, and they can sort of, you know, ease their way into the season in the right way, well, then he's already contributing to the Steelers, you know, to 2021 seventh Lombardi chase. The fourth player that I wanted to look at uh, is Arthur Mollet um, or Arthur Mollet. Uh, I'm going to call him Mollet for the sake of this. He actually celebrated his birthday in the last couple of days, July 13th, uh, you know, so he turned 28 years old. He's a guy that came out of Memphis, uh, has played with a couple of teams now in the NFL, you know, from the New Orleans Saints uh, who who picked him up there coming out of the coming out of the sort of college uh, where he was an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, then he's played in Indiana as well and, and for the New York Jets. So he's coming into his, his fourth team now, you know, in the fifth year of his, his career. So this is the really interesting thing is what, what's Arthur Mollett going to be able to do for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You know, he's five foot 10, 190 pound, uh, cornerback there. Jeffrey Benedict has written a fantastic article um, on on Arthur Mollett. So if you want to go back and look at that, and he's what he did was he actually did a really nice refresh following uh, you know the draft picks, given that Trey Norwood was you know picked up in the seventh round, and, and Jeffrey sort of expected someone to pick up a cornerback to be to be picked up much higher. And I would have, and I thought so as well. Actually, I thought the Steelers were going to draft one much higher up. But then again, I also was really cognizant that they needed a running back. They needed a, t- a tight end, uh, you know, and I thought if there was going to be one high, like Pat Freeman, as I predicted on on this exact show, you know, prior to the draft, you know, that they might do that. And I definitely thought Kendrick Crean was someone that we could be seeing in the third round if an O-lineman wasn't picked before that, but particularly if it was more centered that they were looking at rather than offensive guard. But anyway, back to Arthur Mollett. You know, he's a guy that that had a 40-yard time of 4.62, so it's not the quickest. Uh, you know, I think he plays a little bit quicker than what that might look like at the moment, um, you know, and so that's something to sort of think about. You know, I wouldn't be, you know, deep diving into that, that, that speed too much there, except for the fact that, you know, as Jeffrey Benedict has found through tape, is that basically Arthur Millette is someone that you don't really want to put out on an island. Um, you know, and at the same time, though, he do, he plays bigger than his five foot ten stature. Uh, you know, he played in twenty from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. As Jeffrey points out, he either played less than fifty percent of snaps as a dime back, or he started and played at least eighty five percent of snaps. When he played eighty five percent or more of the snaps, the Jets were seven and three, which is pretty good considering the Jets went nine and nine and twenty three in those seasons, meaning that they were two and twenty when Mollett wasn't playing most of the game. Um, obviously, you know, you know, he isn't the single reason they have those wins, but it's pretty interesting, as Jeffrey points out, uh, when players correlate to winning, um, 
that much, particularly when they're a non-starter. You know, his strengths are that he shows great awareness and understanding on the field. He reacts quickly to what he sees and does a good job playing the ball in the air and playing the angles of ball carriers. Mollet isn't a high-end athlete, isn't someone that you play on an island, as I pointed out before. Uh, and then because of those things, he doesn't really have crazy upside in the NFL. He definitely isn't a starter um, at any of those, you know, deep defensive back positions. Uh, but because of the Steelers' dime defense and the amount of times we play zone and, and route matching, in these coverage schemes, awareness and reaction speed are more important than athleticism, which actually means that Mollette could be a really good fit for these because he's actually quite solid um, in this sort of a role. He's not going to be able to do what Mike Hilton does, uh, but he's a very solid depth piece and a guy that provides you, let's say, for like you know, that common phrase of providing production at a fraction of the cost. Perhaps he provides you 40 to 50% of the production at a, you know, a, a 10th or a 15th of the cost. Uh, and that's where it could be beneficial for the Pittsburgh Steelers, why we develop the number of undrafted free agent, you know, defensive backs that we've brought in through this draft. So that's the big consideration there. I think, look, as I said, he's got five tackles for a loss, one quarterback hit, you know, he's had one sack in the NFL, seven pass defense uh, and two interceptions. So he's not a guy that's going to be crazy productive there on the stat line. But again, if he allows us to develop players, then he's contributing to this roster. I just don't see, they just don't think this is a guy that's going to appear in 16 games if he makes the roster. He's not a guy that's going to start many games. Uh, and, and that's what we would hope. But at the same time, he's not the worst cornerback. He, he's got a bit of versatility there. You know, and quite frankly, given the salary cap, um, you know, issues that the, that the Steelers, like every other NFL team, have faced, I think that that's actually brings a lot of value to the Steelers. Uh, and at least he creates some competition at a bare minimum. But look, with that, that wraps up part one of this week's Steelers War Room. Join us for part two. We're going to have a way too early look for what some people would think uh, sort of look at a couple of Steelers uh, 2022 uh, draft prospects that might be a fit there based on, you know, some some recent news uh, put out by one of the different draft blog sites. Uh, but, yeah, I look forward to talking, talking through that in our new It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back for part two of Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, as always, Matt Peverell, the show that looks to put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, as I always like to say. Now, one of the things this show's done and basically, you know, has ended up with a bit of, uh, you know, 
notoriety, I guess, is the fact that I've been able to predict a couple of, you know, picks that the Steelers, you know, made and plays that were fit, you know, for the the Steelers that, and obviously they think so too, based on their drafting, you know, in, in 2021, where they picked up a couple of guys that we t- sort of talked about in, you know, Pat Freemuth, Kendrick Green, uh, you know, and Quincy Roche. I didn't cover Najee Harris, as I've said to date, because I figured that he was definitely a player if the Steelers went running back, you know, in round one, he was a player that they were really going to look to get, uh, you know, and I made that pretty clear during those those predictions there. So I'm not going to say I definitely, you know, called that, but it was definitely something that was, you know, on my mind and something that I really wanted to give you, the listeners, some, some versatility on there. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, the pressure's on now when it comes to 2022. One of the one of the websites uh, that runs a mock draft that some people might be familiar with. It's it's an interesting one, uh, given the way that they approach this uh, versus a lot of the other different sites. Uh, so it is Pro Football Network. A lot of people will do the PFF, um, you know, mock drafts. Which if you've got a PFF subscription, will give you lots of different stats that you can do. They'll rank your draft based on other the general consensus for other mock drafts, they'll put together a score to it. Uh, so try and actually give you a rank of how well you did at different positions. And I found that to be a little bit hit or miss when you really looked at the way the draft really rolled out this year and who those consensus, you know, or who the were pretty close to the top 50, top 100, uh, you know, the prospects sort of were. That's PFF. When then you've got the Draft Network, um, the Draft Dudes podcast is affiliated with those guys who do a lot of listening to. Again, their lists are based on a lot of big boards. And, you know, you. I think when you get to the latter rounds there, it starts to preference a lot of the schools and the conferences rather than necessarily the prospect. And that's what I do kind of like about uh, Pro Football Network in the way that, their sort of draft rolls through is that it starts to be really much more focused on the number at which they're drafted. Again, though, like all the other, you know, the other sim- draft simulators that are out there, there, there are the pros and cons to it as well. I've seen some players ranked way down the list in the sixth and seventh round that are really more like third and fourth round draft picks. But like anything, uh, you know, a mock draft is all speculation and it all depends on preferences. It depends on the way you see different positions in a team. And it also doesn't necessarily always factor in team need. The team need can be a position, but that doesn't, when I look at team need as well, it's actually about the fit of the player within that position. And that's when you look at someone like Quincy Roche for the Steelers, uh, you know, that the Steelers drafted in the sixth round. Not only was it because the quality of the player available in the sixth round, but equally, He's someone that the Steelers, you know, would look for, given that he's someone that has defined pass rush moves. He's developed those. He's not just relied on, uh, you know, he's not just relied on pure speed to be able to make plays. So that's just a really, that's just one one example there. And my dog's going nuts in the background, as you can hear. so, yeah, that, that's one guy there, you know, in terms of one of the things you need to think about when you talk about team need. Anyway. So the Pro Football Network have actually released a way too early, um, you know, mock draft in the last sort of week or so, the last few days that basically looks, it was four days ago, um, that sort of looked at the first three rounds of the draft. Now, the Steelers under this pick, uh, you know, the Steelers pick quite early. Uh, the Steelers pick, 
um, you know, at red number 16 uh, in, in this draft. And the player that they end up picking, uh, according to this, is at the quarterback position, and that's Desmond Ritter uh, out of Cincinnati. Desmond Ritter is, you know, probably not the first quarterback, you know, that's going to be taken in this draft. You're probably looking at Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. Um, you know, there are a couple of guys that could rocket up the list. I think it's uh, um, Malik uh, Willis out of Liberty. Um, you could see a guy like Matt Corral out of Mississippi. Um, you know, there are a couple of other guys like Keaton Slovis that can move up, Jaden Daniels as well out of Arizona State. There are a couple of different, you know, and there's a few more quarterbacks even on top of that that really could move up, you know, up and down the draft. But the thing about Ritter is that, you know, he's six foot four, he's a 215 pound uh, signal caller, he's an incredible athlete. He can, uh, you know, last season he, he put up, according to them, 592 yards and 12 scores on the ground. He's a high-character leader. You know, I have seen other pieces that sort of say he can be a bit of an ego, but you do need that to a degree at the quarterback position, you know, in terms of confidence level. And he's got an incredible arm that can create, create generate velocity with effortless ease. And, you know, there's some there's some traits that are really important. So that's why they selected him uh, there for the Pittsburgh Steelers at, you know, pick number 16. And he's number 20 on their overall top 50 prospects at the moment. So that's that's a pretty decent fit when you talk, when you talk about team need, um, dev, and, and prospectability. If I go through from sports reference, so that's the college side of, of pro football reference, um, you know, he's completed, if you look at in 2018, you know, Ritter completed, uh, 62.4% of his passes where he completed 194 from 311 for 2,445 yards in 13 games. That's an average, um, you know, attempt of, you know, in terms of yards per average of 7.9. Uh, he had 20 touchdowns to five interceptions. So that's pretty decent in terms of that ratio there. Um, he had a quarterback rating, efficiency rating of 146.4 in 2019. Uh, you know, in his second year, he had 2,164 yards in 13 games. Um, average yards per attempt was 6.7. Uh, and then he had 18 touchdowns to nine interceptions. So he had a, you know, two to one interception ratio, which is a bit of a drop from his, you know, his four to one uh, there. And then in, in 2020, he had 2,296 yards passing. Uh, for 19 touchdowns and six interceptions. He had 8.2 yards per attempt. He completed 70, 66.2% of his passes, um, which were at, at 186 completions there in just 10 games. In terms of rushing, though, uh, you know, he's had eight, he's rushed for over 1,825 yards in his college football career. Uh, you know, 583 of those were in 2018, 650 in 2019, 592 in 2020. The difference is, though, uh, the attempts in terms of his average went up from 3.9 in 2018 to 4.5 in 2019 to to 6 in 2020. And I think that's pretty interesting that, you know, you've seen him rise up. So he's making more efficient runs, uh, you know, and, and choosing when to run, but his touchdowns went up. So he went from getting five in 2018 and then five in 2019 to being able to score 12, um, as we mentioned there before. So, you know, it, it is interesting when you look at what he's been able to do in the run game. And, you know, I've seen comparisons to, you know, Josh Allen, the issue for, for him, for Ritter being that his pass percent, you know, 
pass percentage of completions, uh, I made that sound very difficult, but his uh, pass completion percentage basically is a, on, a little bit on the low side. I think, look, you want him to be, it's good that he was at 66% last year, but his yardage was, wasn't, you know, you know, didn't break 2,500. So I think we want to see him 67.5% up. We want to see him like more like 3,000 yards. If he can repeat the same thing for the rushing, you know, accuracy is something, accuracy is something you can work on. Uh, but they sort of caveated that, you know, not every quarterback just because they've got the traits like, like a Josh Allen is going to be able to fix that. And, and if that's the case, you know, often a quarterback like Ritter will be picked more because of the ego of a, of an NFL, um, you know, coaching room rather than his ability to be, to become that, you know, to basically uh, meet the expectations um, as that prospect. But look, I've got a lot of confidence in Ritter. He's someone I've had on my radar, not necessarily in the first round. So I still think he's going to need a big year. Uh, there's a couple of other guys I do like, you know, Jaden, you know, Jaden Daniels, uh, uh, Carson Strong out of Nevada is another prospect who's going to be available in a couple of rounds on as well. Uh, Matt Corral, I'm very interested, in, you know, uh, you know what he can do. But, you know, Ritter does have some of the physical traits that we'd need, um, you know, in a quarterback and certainly someone that's a lot more mobile than a Mason Rudolph and someone that hasn't necessarily had the, uh, journey and, and mental mileage of a Dwayne Haskins. So there's the two other players uh, that were that the the PFN are basically selected for the Pittsburgh Steelers was in the second round uh, was cornerback Josh Job. Um, you know there for the Pittsburgh Steelers out of Alabama, uh, and then there was an offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Uh, you know in in Thayer Munford. Josh Job was their 35th uh, draft prospect overall. Um, Steelers end up picking him at 48, according to their, their list. Uh, you know, and through much of the draft process in 2020, he was viewed as a second or third round pick. Uh, as, you know, PFN puts together their board for 2022, uh, he has a similar starting point. His length combined with ultra-competitive nature on the boundary amounts to incredible high upside what he needed most in 2020 was polished, and that's something he continued to build. He can continue to build upon in 2021. Things didn't come out. To me, it seems it's quite strategic here not to come out, given the cornerbacks that were available um, in in last year's draft. Um, you know, from that perspective, guys like I think it was you know Greg Newsom, and you had Patrick Sertain, uh, you had JC Horn, uh, and a couple of other you know sort of key cornerback, um, you know, sort of and. Um, Samuels Jr., Sunday Samuels Jr. that came out. You know, there are a few other, you know, different cornerbacks too that I could have seen them linked with. Uh, but, you know, that's sort of where where the chips fell. But they do need a cornerback in next year's draft. Pittsburgh Steel fans would obviously be very apprehensive about, you know, the Steelers, you know, drafting, you know, that that cornerback in the first round and given what we need in the offense support, we need in the offensive line position play positions like quarterback, you know, corner, you'd think cornerback would be there in that second or third round, maybe that third round pending compensatory picks. But let's have a quick look at Josh Job, uh, you know, out of Alabama, six foot one, 192 pounds. That's some good physical traits. Uh, he's played in 27 games um, in his three-year career at Alabama, uh, four in as a freshman, 10 as a sophomore, uh, 13 as a junior, He's got 67, uh, he's got 91 total tackles in that time, two and a half for a loss, two sacks, one interception. 
Uh, 15 pass defense, one fumble recovery, two forced fumbles. So he's a productive player there um, at the cornerback position. And particularly, I think, when you look at the forced fumbles, uh, he was number fifth in the F- SEC in 2020. Uh, you know, and he was number one in passes, you know, defended there in 2020 with his 11 pass defense. You know, that's really strong. Um, you know, in terms of being able to make plays. And I think that's, again, when you look at the physical traits with the tenacity that they talk about. Josh Job is someone I will continue to look at as we go through this draft process, you know, that really begins, you know, once the, the previous draft finishes. Uh, but he's someone that could be really interesting. So, so Steelers fans, have him on your radar as college uh, starts to develop because uh, the college season, because he's someone that, you know, he really could be a realistic option for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, and he's someone that, is definitely could be on our radar, but if he really shows out, perhaps he's someone we just miss out on, or perhaps he's even a player we're trading up to get. The final player I wanted to look at uh, as part of this, you know, projection was a player that played one game, one game in 2020. Uh, you know, his name is uh, Thayer Munford. Hopefully I've got that right out of a higher state uh, position in the O-line there. Uh, you know, that was they're protecting him as a tackle for the Steelers. Now, he's someone I haven't really seen linked to the Steelers, and there are a number of tackles that I've talked about already, um, you know, for coming out of this year. We're not going to be, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be in the mix for a guy like, you know, Evan Neal, you know, um, I, I, you know, guys like Obina Ez, uh, offensive tackle out of TCU, could be someone that we're, that we're looking at there. You know, Ekonwu, I've talked about before, and I'm a big fan of, um, you know, those guys are ranked in sort of the top th- top sort of 40 prospects for PFN. Um, this is M- Munford's not in that list. They're guys that I think that the Steelers could more look at. But, hey, uh, you know, Thayer Munford is someone that just keep across the name. Uh, obviously, he's playing at a top school, uh, you know, from it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers as well, you know, whether these are def- those developmental traits from him, I haven't had a chance to look at too much tape yet, but I thought it was noteworthy that they'd, they'd listed someone like that when a couple of guys like Ease and Econwu might still be available. Um, Econu, yeah, Econu might still be available come that third round. I think it's going to be really interesting in terms of, I th- you could see the Steelers trade up, um, you know, in 2022. And I know that's something crazy to say this early onwards, but I do see that being a potential uh, result. If the right players are on the board, I think we we took the sat back and, you know, sit back and wait approach this year. And that made sense. But I think if you look at the fact that Kevin Colbert, um, you know, if, if I'm putting this pseudo hat on of being in the war room, you know, Kevin Colbert, it's our last draft with Kevin Colbert. You know, there are some moves to be made. There's some retooling uh, that needs to happen. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers will need some key people in some key positions, whether it's Ben's actual last year or whether it's being able to protect, you know, Mason Rudolph and the rookie quarterback that you're going to get in round one, according to this, to this, you know, um, mock draft that, that PFN have produced. But with that, that wraps up Steelers Warren for this week. I hope you really enjoyed the, this sort of look at players born in July. I'm going to continue to make sure I keep a bit of a birthday theme and stay across that as we go through the season. It's not going to obviously be every week, but, you know, it's interesting how many players have been born in July, how many noteworthy players, uh, and even a couple of these fringe players. 
as, as I've said before, we're going to stay across these prospects. We're going to talk a bit more about the cap at times as well. Uh, but really exciting to be, you know, one month away from football. You know, training camp starts in, in just over a week's time. Stay tuned for news out of Pittsburgh Steelers because by the time we come to you next week, who knows, we could even be looking at a new contract for the Steelers player. Enjoy the rest of your week. The Steelers next to come.